Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Well, it's great to see everybody today, both in the room and online. We're glad that you're here. As Pastor Chris said, part of the meaning of the word church is a gathering together. And it's not just about uh, watching when it's convenient for you. Maybe you've gotten into some bad habits over the past seven months. It's easy to do. But I want you to know we're here and we are uh, heating all of the, we're still taking temperatures around here. Uh, we're not letting feverish people in, but we're letting people that are hot for God, okay? So anyway, but we're glad that you're here today and excited that Children's Church is going on the other side of the building this morning. But next Sunday, time change, you get an extra hour of sleep and we reopen for first service our infant's toddlers and preschool next week. They get to come back to, welcome home kids, welcome home, welcome, welcome back parents of kids that were afraid to bring their kids to, to church uh, in the service. Don't be afraid of that. We can, we can cope with it. If they get a little hostile, just take them out for a minute and bring them back in when they calm down. Give them, give them candy. That's what you need to do. Just give them candy. No. Anyway, <laughs> a little bribery goes a long way. Anyway, today's message is called G-U-T-S, Guts. G-U-T-S, Guts, we'll explain it in just a moment. We're starting with 1 Samuel 22 and working to 2 Samuel 21. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1 says this, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house had heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everybody say in distress. Everyone who was in debt, everybody say in debt. And everyone who was discontented, say discontented, gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him, became 600 eventually, by the way. But it says about 400 men came to that cave of Dullam with him. The message says it this way. The message says, and all who were down on their luck came around, losers and vagrants and misfits. Oh my. Losers and vagrants and misfits of all sorts came around David. Here he was anointed to be king of Israel, and yet he's king of the misfits. His first kingdom, the first people he led, was a tribe of people that didn't fit in anywhere else. I'm going to talk about that today. People with emotional and family problems, financial problems, and those stirred for a better life found him in his cave. Within a few years, these misfits had become known as, in Hebrew, the Gaborim. The Gaborim means the mighty men of valor. Second Samuel 21 describes some of these mighty men that develop out of this relationship, starting verse 16. I want you to see the pattern here. Then Ishbi Benob, you don't have to remember these names, these are crazy names, but these are sons and brothers of, of a guy named Goliath. Okay. Then Ishbi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. He was going to take vengeance for his giant pain in the neck. Anyway, his giant daddy, he thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah. Now, I had to look it up. I didn't know who Zeruiah was. Zeruiah was 
David's sister, she wasn't even mentioned because she wasn't invited to the house when he was anointed to be king. Eight brothers, there's at least one sister named Zeruiah, and her son, Abishai, came to David's aid. This is his uncle Dave, Uncle Davy. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. Verse 18, now it happened after that that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And you know what happened at Gob? They were looking for a gobstopper. Then Sibachai, the Huthathite, Hushathite, killed Seth, who is one of the sons of the giant. Another, another son of Goliath is out there. And Sibachai, or Sibachai, killed him. Again, there was a war at Gob, fill in your own joke, with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jare Jarabinks, Jare Jarabinks, no, that's a different thing. Three people know what that joke means. Anyway, Oregon, the Oregon, the Bethlehem, and I, he killed the brother of Goliath the Gittite. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number. When he gave the finger, they didn't even know what, you, what it meant. Look at him. And he was also born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, another nephew, steps in. I'm trying to talk about this today. And killed him. Now these four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hands of his servants. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, would you come? And anoint this word and speak to your people. Lead us how to move forward in this time. Raise up giant killers in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So far, we looked at two giant killers in the Bible. One, a teenager, David, in his teens, killed Goliath. The other, last week, an 85-year-old man we called Caleb the Conqueror. What's the message here? You got a teenager and an 85-year-old man both killing giants. The message is that strength of spirit can make you an overcomer and a conqueror at any age. At any age. God shows it clearly. This is not an age thing. This is not a, oh, I passed my prime thing. Or this is, I'm too young, I'm too young. No, this was about the anointing of God. And the Bible says that bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable in all things. You ever see some of those big bodybuilders, big muscles, ripped, six, you know, six, they call them six-pack abs. Who needs six-pack abs when you can get a keg? <laughs> Hello. And these guys are up there, and I'm telling you, God showed me one time when I was kind of feeling kind of poorly about myself, and God said, you know that guy? He might look like this, but on the inside, he looks like a mouse. He's got nothing on, he's got no, no, no muscle at all because his spirit is tiny. He said, you might look like you look on the outside, but I see your insides. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. I want you to know, I wish we could see sometimes what, Everybody's spirit looks like when they walk into church. 
Because that would be telling, wouldn't it? Maybe we're glad you can't. Spiritual might and power aren't dependent upon your physical ability. They're based on your spiritual growth and development, which is one reason why we offer next steps. My friends, your life will largely be defined by the giants you conquer. You will be known at the end of your life by the giants you conquered and the giants you helped other people conquer. You will be known by what you do to bring down the hardest places and hardest issues of your life. One takeaway of your life is going to be your courage under fire. What did you do during the hardest moments of your life, like 2020? Did you trust God more or did you fear a virus more? Did you listen more to the word of God or more to the news media that make all their money by propagating fear? Did you worry or did did you stand strong on the word of God? Was Psalm 91 a nice poetic psalm? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Or did you say of the Lord, he is my rock, he is my fortress, he's my shield and buckler, and in him I will trust. Surely he will deliver me from the, from the fowler, from the, from the bird trapper. He will deliver me and no plague shall come near my dwelling. Was that just a nice little poem to you or did it become real in 2020? Because it became real to me. Your grandchildren may ask you one day when they hear about it, how did you survive the pandemic of 2020? What did you do? Did you hide under the couch? Did you live your life? My friends, in order to slay your giants, you have to have G-U-T-S guts. And I'm calling it today Giant Killers Ultimate Training School. You got to have guts. You got to have the Giant Killers Ultimate Training School. The skills of the soldiers around David were crafted in the caves of adversity. You want to read something powerful? Read Psalm 142. Here's your homework assignment. Those of you already at home, you can do it right now. Uh, Listen, if you're already in the bathroom right there listening to us, watching us, I don't know. Some people, they're watching us from the bathroom. Can you believe that? They're watching church from the bathroom. Yes, you. (laughs) Somebody almost dropped their phone in the toilet. Here's your homework. Read Psalm 142 today. It's a short one. It's not a a big one. But you know what it's about? I found this out this week as I was just studying this and just saturating with this thought. Psalm 142 is the psalm that David wrote when he went into the cave of Adullam by himself. He had just left Gath pretending to be a crazy man because the, the, the people of Gath, they had a superstition that you, you leave the insane alone. And believe me, they wanted to kill David because he had killed Goliath, their champion, previously. But now he winds up in Gath and he thought they would accept him and receive him because he's hiding out from King Saul. And they didn't accept him, so he pretended he was a lunatic. And when he went crazy, they they were embarrassed for him, but they also, there was their superstition, so they said they let him go. So he runs out into the wilderness by himself and goes into a cave called Adullam. And he writes Psalm 142 and he begins to write stuff like, God, I'm so overwhelmed. 
Nobody wants to be with me. I feel broken. I feel despair. And I don't know what to do. Anybody ever been there? He says, but God, in this cave, I realize you are my refuge. You're my hiding place. You're here for me. And I need you to do what you want to do. I'm going to stay here till I hear from you. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, people began to hear about him. Relatives, nephews, strangers, and misfits. People that felt disconnected suddenly were out in the middle of the wilderness saying, I'd rather be in a cave with David than I would be out in the world being led by King Saul. I would rather be here because I know David is anointed and I know Saul is having problems. My friend, the anointing on David's life attracted people to him. That's the God factor. And I want you to know you have the God factor. In moments where you feel isolated and alone, God wants to bring the right people around you and you around the right people, the gathering. Like the local church where people gather from all kinds of backgrounds and experiences, but find love and acceptance, hope and encouragement. They also find discipleship and training to fulfill their unique callings and destinies. I had a friend who went to a doctor recently, had high cholesterol. And the doctor said, well, I can put you on cholesterol medication, but I want you to know the science. The studies that have been done over the years of statins and these cholesterol medicines, I'm talking about supplements here, I'm talking about medications, pharmaceuticals. He said at the end of the day, the, the whole bottom line is you want to add time to life, right? So they've done studies now for people that have been on cholesterol medication for their lives. The study showed at the end of their lives that cholesterol medication adds, listen, two days longer to your life. Two days longer than if you were just on natural supplements. Not talking about just going crazy, but people then depend on the medication, they just go eat, eat crazy. Understand, you can take the medication, and then you get the side effects, by the way. But you get two extra days of life. Marvelous. Then there was a study that just came out recently. And I'd heard something similar years ago, but there's a a brand new study. People that go to church connect with their church. I'm not talking about people that, you know, I'm not talking about CEOs, Christmas, Easter only. Christmas, Easter only is CEOs. I'm talking about the CEOs. We're talking about people that are connected to the house of God, It didn't matter what kind of denomination it meant that they were there to worship God. People that are serving, people that are active, people that are active in their church. Did you know the the most recent study showed that the person who's connected to the house of God and is plugged in and serving the house of God adds, listen, eight years to their life. People who connect to the house of God regularly and serving live eight years longer on average than people who are disconnected from the house of God. 
<clears throat> you need to tell somebody, you're, it's good you're here today. This is really good for you. Tell them right now. Tell them next to you, this is really good you're here today. You're getting a longer life. You're getting a longer liver. No, 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 you don't want a longer liver. But anyway, you know what I mean. You're going to live longer. Here's the point. In the presence of God, we get some things that we don't get anywhere else. We say it this way. Here's a great principle of the word. You can teach what you know, but you can only impart who you are. You can teach somebody all kinds of stuff. Information. You can give people information. But you can only impart revelation. And the impartation of revelation takes place in community. It takes place in relationship. It takes place when you get to know more than just what a person looks like or what people say about them. In other words, this. It takes a giant killer to raise up other giant killers. God didn't... God anointed David, but not just to be David the giant killer. God anointed David to raise up giant killers. That's the purpose of those scriptures we read today. The original purpose of man in Genesis chapter one, be fruitful, multiply yourself, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. That's called influence. Everybody say influence. Your life is about influence. Your life is about who you're influencing. Who are, who, you know, people walked up here a few moments ago in a moment of surrender. Can I tell you, if everyone of those people meant that and began to do something about that today at a different level of yes, which is the way God gave it to us this morning, and maybe some of you at home, there will become a domino effect Amen. because other people will begin to sense that in your life, even without you telling them. In fact, I would say this, just go live it for a while. And then let people begin to respond because people get upset. Listen, nominal Christians get upset when somebody gets on fire for God. Why? Because it exposes their lukewarmness. If you get fired up for God, it shows everybody else where they need to go, what's going on. Why has 2020 been so hard? Sometimes the dark and quiet caverns of life are God's training ground for greatness. Sometimes the darkness, sometimes the, that place where you get alone with God, be still and know that he's God. Sometimes in those dark, quiet caverns of life, that's God training you. He's, got, he's getting you around to the right people. And I think we don't understand and appreciate those times enough. I don't think we understand. I don't think, listen, I believe God wants us to appreciate in future years what 2020 has been. A time of preparation. A time where God is positioning and repositioning our hearts, our lives, and for revival. Real revival. We'll talk about that next week. When David was young and in his 20s, he was a renegade. And he took a bunch of misfits and transformed them into a band of brothers that became a fierce army. Anybody remember there's an old movie, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid, an old war movie called The Dirty Dozen. Anybody remember that movie? It's a classic. If you haven't seen it, 
<clears throat> great movie, young people. They get these 12 military criminals. They, they were in the army and they misbehaved. They did something wrong and they wound up in the brig. And they allowed this guy to go recruit 12 misfits to go behind enemy lines in Nazi Germany in, the war, in World War II and to do something to pull down that stronghold. It's a great movie. David's group, David's friends, family, became a military machine and marvel of the ancient world. Did you know some of David's war tactics are still studied today in military academies all over the world? He invented guerrilla warfare. He took those guys in a cave, a bunch of misfits, and transformed them. They became known, listen, for being mobile, adaptable, and lethal. They're almost like a band of land pirates. They were out there in this outlaw world, and for a while, David became, this army became, to survive, they became like a mercenary army serving other places while David was positioning himself to become the king of Israel. But every time that, in fact, he learned to survive in caves and was so adept at having his army move in stealth through the wilderness of Judea that they wound up at times in these caves. And when I was in Israel a couple of times, I've seen these caves, they still exist, <clears throat> pardon me, where the cave of Adullam was. It almost looks like giant anthills in the middle of the Judean wilderness. And you see these holes and they say, yeah, that's still, in fact, they, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls years ago in one of those caves. David was taking them through. Now listen to this, two different times, if you look at the scriptures, David was hiding with his men and Saul wound up in the same cave as David by accident. And I don't want to embarrass, I don't, especially don't want to embarrass the man going to the bathroom, but Saul wound up in these caves to relieve himself. He wound up in these caves to use it as a bathroom. And David was, his men said, hey, here's your chance. Kill him. He's right there. Just kill him. And you can, you're supposed to be king. You know you are. He said, I can't touch God's anointed like that. No. So instead, both times he snuck up and took something from Saul's garment. And then when, he, when Saul got out of the cave, David revealed himself, hey. And Saul said, I'm going to kill you. David said, hey, I could have killed you. Here's, this is part of your, look, look at your robe. Here's the piece that's missing. I showed you mercy. Both times Saul pretended to repent. He felt sorry, but he never really repented. And he kept pursuing David anyway. My friends, David's army became famous. They could make it into a territory without anybody seeing them. And they became fierce. A few outcasts became called the Gaborn, the 600, the mighty ones. They were divided in teams of 30. Some of his men were trained. Listen to this. This is powerful. There's a scripture that says that some of David's men were trained by David to be ambidextrous with their weapons. Scripture says they could stand in battle and if they were injured in one arm, if they were injured in their dominant arm where they followed, they were trained by David to fight with their sword in their non-dominant hand. I'm right-handed. They were trained 
to fight as strongly with their left hand as their right hand. Did you know the scripture says that? What does that mean? Well, the Bible says in the New Testament, we've been given the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we need to be ambidextrous with it, which means even if we're hurt in one spot, we should be able to use the word expertly just as well in another way. The Bible says be instant with the word. Preach the word. Be instant in and out of season. We've got to be trained like that. That's how strong David's men were trained by David. Isn't that interesting? David trained up other giant killers. That's the point of today. He trained up other giant killers. Of the 600 Gaborim, David had 30 elite forces. The special 30. This was like special ops. This was like Navy SEALs. Army Rangers, Green Beret. These guys were incredible. Out of that 600, out of that 30, there were, there were three of them that were the chiefs called the three. There was a guy named Jashabim. Jashabim, the Bible says, killed 600 men at once armed with only a spear. Killed 600 men, listen to this, by himself armed with only a spear. That's a man. That's a man. Think about that. Here's the guy, Eliezer. Eliezer who fought alongside David by himself. David and Eliezer were trapped in a field of barley. And they're trapped there. And Eliezer, listen, this guy was so tough. I know why, his, why he was tough. The Bible says Eliezer's father's name was Dodo. True story. Look it up. Eliezer, the son of Dodo or Dudu. And the other kids at school, you know the other kids at school called him son of doo-doo. You know it. Kids can be mean. And in that, it toughened him up. Eliezer fought alongside of David against an army, defended this field of lentils, this field of barley. And the Bible says he fought until the sword clung to his hand. When he got done with the battle, he couldn't drop the sword. It was attached to him. It became part of him. Once again, training in the word, training in the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Does your, does, the, does your Bible cling to you when you're in pressure? Does your word, does his word cling to your heart and cling to your mouth? When you're going through the problem, when you're in that place of situation where you can't get out, are you, is that word flowing out of you or are you just letting everything else fly? Shama, the third of the three, defended this other battalion of Philistines. This, he defended a whole field by himself. These guys overheard the frustrated sigh of their king's heart one day for water from his favorite well in Bethlehem. Joshabim, Eliezer, and Shammah became known as the three because they broke behind enemy lines, went into Bethlehem without anybody knowing right near Jerusalem. And when David was one day just pacing, oh, I just wish I had the refreshing of my favorite water from Zephyr Hills. I mean, Bethlehem. These guys heard that sigh of his heart. He didn't ask them to go. And they snuck in, went by an enemy lines, got him the drink, brought it to him and said, here's the water you requested. Talk about loyalty. Oh my gosh. And to show you what kind of leader David was, he took it 
he took that water and he said, I can't drink this. This is your blood. You could have died getting this for me. I'm so moved by what you're doing. And the Bible says he poured it out as an offering to God. He took his water, that valuable water that could have cost three great warriors their lives, and he poured it out as a drink offering to God. How many know you'd follow David anywhere when you saw that? He said, I'm not going to drink this when everybody else is drinking water from the stream. I'm going to pour it out as an offering to God because it's precious. And you follow a general like that anyway, right? David raised up these other giant killers. Poured it out as an offering to the Lord. He honored those men, but he wouldn't quench his own thirst. The text mentions three others that became giant killers in what we read to you this morning. Abishai, Sibachai, and Jonathan. Two of them, David's own family, his own nephews. But there's one more I want to tell you about. A guy named Benaiah. Benaiah, the Bible says, attacked an armed giant with only a staff. What's a staff? It's like, a, it's like that hooked stick where you'd prod the sheep. It's a shepherd's tool. He took a shepherd's tool and watch what happens. First Chronicles eleven twenty two. 22. Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel. So his father was a valiant warrior as well who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He'd also gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian. Look at this. A man of great height, five cubits tall, a giant. In the Egyptian's hand, there was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went down to him with a staff, a crooked stick, wrested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Pastor, why are you talking about these battles and all this blood and guts today? Why? Because we need toughness now more than ever. We got to be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. We got to put on the whole armor of God. We got to be prepared for what's going on out there in this world. Giant killing power came upon this group of warriors. It wasn't just on David. It came down upon all of them. It was a collective a unit. There were many divine relationships there, strongly connected. You know, the word of God teaches principles of covenant relationship. Here's the word, associations. With whom do you associate? I'm not talking about people at work. You're paid to be next to them. (laughs) Some of you really earn your pay. But what about the people you associate with outside work? The people you hang with? The people you do life with? The Bible says they're going to make you or break you. The Word teaches principles of covenant relationship. Number one, the Bible says iron sharpens iron, even as a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That's in Proverbs 27, 17. Your God connection, friends, Sharpen you for him. Say it again. Your God connection, friends, your divine relationships can be measured by how they are, their effect on you and how they're growing you closer to God. That's why church is so important. 
Because in this place, you know, a study, a recent study, secular study shows this, that, you, that people are becoming like their five closest friendships at that time. That your five closest friendships, you are becoming like them, whether you realize it or not. Little by little. You ever seen, have you seen the commercial, the new set of commercials from Progressive on becoming your parents? Hilarious. Oh my gosh, you gotta watch them. The first one, that this guy's doing a class for people with, with cell phones, and he goes, okay, so in public we silence our phone. And this lady goes, I don't have a silent button. He goes, we all have one, it's right here. He goes, look, look at those. See, we, we, you're becoming more like your parents or you're becoming more like God. You're becoming more like the people around you. You're becoming more, whether you realize it or not, your values are shifting constantly. Make sure you're around some iron. Because iron, and with iron, there may be friction. There may be a little bit of, hmm, sometimes. Maybe uh, some discussions. But you're getting, you're getting sharper through the divine relationships. And you're becoming, becoming dull through the wrong relationships. You have to start discerning that. I have to, and you have to. Number two, those who you hang around with, the Bible says, are those you are becoming like. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 from God's word says this, don't let anyone deceive you. Associating with bad people will ruin decent people. It's true. So I ask you a question, I'm almost done. Are your key friendships building you up spiritually or keeping you wandering in circles in the same old wilderness? Because to get in that cave with those misfits was causing those men to become soldiers for God, warriors for Christ, warriors in the hand of God to make a difference in this world. You gotta find your unit of giant killers, your brotherhood or your sisterhood, your tribe. Too many people, again, I'm finding recently, even through COVID now, there's been a shuffling of the deck and people are shopping for churches. I'm, I'm, I'm church shopping. I'm, I'm shopping for a new church. Oh, let me see. I like the lights here. But I like, I like the music there, but I don't like this. I don't like that. Oh, I like that. We, we start shopping for churches like we're shopping for cereal. And I've seen it before. It's happened before. In the, in, in the, in the culture of our times, I've seen the exact same thing before. Oh, well, I, can, well, I like this and I don't like that. And, mm, mm. The Bible says God has a place for you where you are part of the tribe, where you're part of the family. And, though, and you don't have to always feel it, but it should be at least sharpening you, at least sharpening you, making you to be who God has called you to be. In our original vision in 1990, 30 years ago, I wrote this. I believe God has called us to raise up a new breed of believers who will walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and occupy the nations and the earth until Jesus comes. My friend, when I look at David's tribe, raising up those warriors, raising up those elite forces, those special forces in that cave, I think of church life. God's new breed. Listen, how do you know if you're supposed to be here? 
Because God's new breed will never be satisfied with just going through the motions, attending church once in a while, and going to a nominal church where everything is happy, clappy, social stuff, and no life, no meat, no strength. People want to be to be the church, not just go to church. They want to be the church and make a difference. That's new breed, and that's why you're here, and that's why you need to be here. The takeaways of today, I'll finish with this. The greatest ultimate warrior is Jesus Christ himself. Amen. He is our true champion, champion <clears throat> because in a way, think about this. The story of David and Goliath is a real story. It really happened. But the Bible says the Old Testament is filled with types and shadows. In that story, think of David as a type of Jesus Christ. It's an allegory for the battle between God and the devil, between good and evil. David, the anointed king of Zion, runs out to the battlefield on our behalf to destroy the intimidator, Goliath. David prophesies his defeat and says, I'm going to hand you your head today, and then takes five smooth stones out of his bag and launches one as a heat-seeking missile directly to the head of the giant and takes him out. When you look at the story that way, you're no longer the David. The Bible says you're living stones. In that version, David is a type of Jesus. And you're that smooth stone that he's been sandpapering. I don't even know that's a word. Use it as a verb, sandpapering. Anybody been a little rough around the edges and God's, God is smoothing some places out in your life? <laughs> that's God getting ready for you to be his weapon. I'll give you proof in scripture. A couple more things, real quick. <clears throat> Jeremiah 51, verse 20. God says this to you. You are my battle axe. Now don't read this to your mother-in-law, please. <laughs> you are my battle axe and weapons of war, God says. For with you, I will break the nation in pieces. With you, I will destroy kingdoms. Revelation 12, 9 and 11 says this. So that great dragon was cast out and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their own lives even unto the death. God is raising up overcomers and conquerors. If you've gone, been going through something this year, you're not alone. If you've gone through some very difficult internal changes, transitions, challenges, you're not alone. It may be that heavenly sandpaper smoothing you out, getting ready to launch you at the head of the giants of darkness. Because that dragon, the Bible says, comes down and is slain by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Let's pray together one more time. Father God, thank you for the freedom we have in you. I ask you today 
to raise up a new breed, a new generation of giant killers and dragon slayers in the spirit, in prayer, in the word, and in the power of God. Release a healing army in this place. Raise up that new breed that will make a difference in Ocala, in Gainesville, in the villages, in the nations of the earth. We're available. We're available. We're available. Would you just whisper that prayer right now? Would you just say, I'm available? Just tell the Lord right now in your own way. Just say, God, I'm here. I'm available. Right now at home, wherever you are, in the room, just say it out loud right now. God, I'm available. I want to do what you want to do. Go where you want to go. Be who you want me to be. Make me a lethal weapon in your hands. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.